today in this episode, we will be talking about organizations within your TTRPG slash D&D campaign. Ooh. Right? And um, not just organizing. No, organizations. Yes. Guilds, merchant associations, churches, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. A bit of a, a high-level approach with some deep probes. Yeah, I think we're talking about stuff like what goes into a building a good organization, mm-hmm. right? What they're for, what you can do with it. As a player, how can you leverage organizations to Ooh. do what you want? We learned about leverage before. Yeah, right? Now we get so, begin. Uh, content for both DM and players. Fantastic. Right, so if you're interested, stay tuned. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Legs out for Harambe. Well, that's right. <laughs> nice All right, in. summon in once again. Let's do this. Is it? Oh, straight in. Welcome to Caffeine and Cantrips, the show where we want to talk about D&D. Or else. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, welcome, Seekers of Truth, to the path less traveled. You have been chosen to join us to embrace the mysteries of the unknown. In this sacred fellowship, we unlock secrets that have been hidden from the world. As you take your first steps, you leave behind the constraints of the mundane. As you step into the realm of where shirts and possibilities are unfurled. Here, we're not bound by the chains of ordinary existence. We defy the boundaries of reality. Delve into the extraordinary and see what others cannot. We hear the whispers of the forgotten and wield powers beyond imagination. Sean, number 467. That's me. You want to join my club? Yeah, I'd love to join your club. (laughs) Yay! One recruit for the cult. Well, welcome back once again to another episode of Caffeine and Cantrips. It was refreshing. Yeah, there you go. So refreshing. Oof. Okay. I think I'm going to start off by, uh, let's just talk about why, if you don't have organizations, why you might want organizations in your campaign. Oh, weird. Okay. Okay. Sure. Like a sandwich, you got to butter your bread. Okay. And in this case, organizations is your butter. Oh, you avocado toast people. Right. Butter. Ask any European. You got to butter your bread. Oh, okay. Really? All right. Yeah, because butter is what brings the whole sandwich oh, together. Oh, the French. That makes right? sense. It, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a shield for get, like keeping your bread less soggy from the, from, the, from the insides. It also adds that fat content and it keeps your bread more. It's, it, it is essential okay. for a good sandwich. You, you told me I'll right? butter my bread. Um, and I think organizations are also essential uh, to a campaign. If you want your campaign to be multifaceted, dynamic, right, mm-hmm. and sort of feels immersive, mm-hmm. you're gonna need some organizations. Okay. Right? Of some kind of scope, whether it's a village council all the way up to like multinational merchant, associ- merchant associations. Mm, right? Okay. Depends yeah. on your scope of your campaign, mm-hmm. right? But you, you're going to need some kind of organizations, I think. The MMAs. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about campaigns in general, uh, campaign worlds, I think, in general, and, and sort of what goes into it. Um, just from that high level in, okay? Mm-hmm. And we can see how sort of organizations fit in your campaign. So the typical campaign world, I would say, can be organized into four types of spheres of influence. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Okay. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is not a sphere of influence. It's basically your physical your physical geography. The first sphere is not yeah, a sphere. It's not a sphere at all. But this is what the your physical geography is is oh. again is the stage in where your spheres of various spheres of influence are is played out. Okay, so it's like the first circle, which it's, all the other right are it's, within. It's on right? okay. like like without without your geography, you've got nothing. Right. right. Well, places and things. Okay. 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 Yeah. Right? All right. And typically, here are your four spheres of influence, in my opinion. Starting now, uh, is the deities. Oh. Right. If your campaign has deities, but typically okay. they do. Okay. Right? The nations. Right. Different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have the organizations in the world, and then it's your PCs. These are the four main spheres of influence. Oh, wow. I think. Okay. And you notice how I didn't uh, add NPCs to that list. I did. Or characters, right? Yes. Because they are, they fit within organizations. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Um, and I think today we're going to talk, we're going to concentrate on that organizational, organization's sphere of influence. Okay, so right. not deities, not kingdoms, not PCs. Though we're going to talk about PCs. Yeah. I definitely got to talk about PCs. Yeah. Uh, but that NPCs and organizations. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, although you can, depending on how you think of it, you can think of a nation as an organization and deities themselves as an organization. But we're, I think that's a little bit out of the scope of today's talk. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, so why do you want organizations though? If you if you're like I'm, I just want to run an adventure, right? Like a, like a simple campaign. Why do I? Why should I have organizations? Because butter is good. It's true. It is what puts everything into context in your campaign and your adventure, right? Hmm. Um, the lore and world building associated with organizations is what adds depth and sort of context to the PC party's adventures. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically, they demonstrate sort of the broader context in which the characters operate, interact in the world. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You go from you go from organization to organization within one organization to within another organization, yeah. and how things sort of fit together, right? Yes. Um, and they're basically, I think, in my opinion, sort of the foundation on which plot lines and role playing opportunities sort of rely within. They're really important for those things. Oh, okay. You were right? definitely starting in a different brain space than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too typically, <laughs> as we do, as, right? As one does. I mean, you said you don't need organizations, but if you have organization, definitely it immediately add more depth. Oh, hard disagree on the first part of that statement. Yeah. But yes. Well, yes. The I, back half. Well, I no, you can, you can still play D&D without organizations. You can. I'll argue my point in a bit. Yeah, I can. I can yeah. I mean, if you, if you count without, because PCs, anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as Spoilers. a concept, I want to put this out there. Right. So in the camp, D&D campaign, mm-hmm. characters move organizations. And organizations move the world. Okay. I'll say it again. <laughs> characters move organizations and organizations move the world. Okay. Right. And it's the organizations that define the shape of your world and how the pri- and they're the primary drivers of change within your world. Okay. And the extent of how much change and how, how much they shape uh, this is the world. It depends on the scope of the organization. Mm-hmm. Right? So bigger ones, 
mm-hmm. uh, more powerful ones, of course, can do more and do do more. Right. Right. And you're like, Sean, really? How do they do that? Yeah, Sean, like, how really? do they do that? Um, let me talk about that. <laughs> because a, a, a decently sort of uh, well-fleshed out organization will have sort of historical significance, a large enough organization will, within your campaign world, right? They often have history that date back generations, maybe mm-hmm. centuries, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe it's in their founding. Major events in, in their uh, past yeah. will shape the world's history. Yes. Right? It's like the Knights Templar in our history have, have shaped so much in our history that, that affects what's happening today, right? Again, for sure, the past deeds influence what we have today, even if they're not around anymore. Right. Right, if they're big enough. But if they are still around, you can bet that they've had a significant effect on the, the present day campaign world. Yes. Right? Um, and I, I argue that this is what your uh, history is shaped around. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't really have a great history without organizations shaping the history. Like you might have the. It's a loaded statement. I love it. Yeah, it, it's so loaded, right? Think <laughs> about that for a second. Yeah. Um, you might have the odd individual, maybe, but it's weird for just one dude to do something so big that it affects everyone. Like yeah, them, everyone. And them yeah. by themselves as an island doing something. Yeah. Just because they thought it, right? Yeah. It's usually a part of an organization or affecting another organization mm-hmm. for some right. Well, definitely when you like get that. out of the realm of deities. Yes. Right? Let there be light. Yes. Right? Oh, okay. There was nothing and then there, there was, was something. Right? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. They were an island. Well, and they, but right, they definitely right. shape the history. Right. And then they shape the history, right? Yeah. But that's that's at a different level than what we're speaking. About yes. Today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then in the present day campaign, present yeah. present day, they shape the political landscape. They totally influence the politics in the game world, large enough in, in different scopes, right? Right. Um, their alliances, their rivalries, their conflicts with other associations or groups, mm-hmm. right? They impact the balance of power and dynamics in the world's governance. And that affects the story, the campaign world dynamics, right? It affects what and how the PC group can, can do things in the world, right? Uh, yes. And I would argue that the majority of your world dynamics will come from this. Yeah. Right from the, the machinations of your different organizations and as they sort of, their machinations weave together right. and, and sort of manifest within your campaign world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the next way they shape your world in a world building kind of uh, in a way yes. is their cultural context, I would say. Oh, okay. Right. Cause you want to build cultures within different regions and stuff like that. Yes. Right. In your campaign world. Yes. Um, so I want to say that the values, beliefs, and motivations and actions of your organizations define the cultures and values in the game world. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Not the other way around. Ooh. Right? I know. It's it's weird to think of it that way, right? So yeah. let me ex- talk about that a little bit further, that idea. Okay. I'm going to think about Different it. Different regions might have unique organizations that yes. embody those areas' beliefs and traditions Absolutely. and societal norm. Yeah. Right? That's the way we normally think about things. Okay. Right? But from a world builder's perspective, yeah. it's, I believe it's the region's 
that embody the characteristics and the organizations of the organizations that they contain. Right? The way that we experience as players the uh the characteristics of a of a region mm-hmm. is by interacting with the organizations within that region. Mm. Without organizations in a certain region, there is no culture. Right? Because that's it's as a DM, it's through the organizations and the NPCs therein mm. that uh, we show the culture to the player group, right? So in that way, it's the it's the organizations that define it for the for the PC for the players, right? Like, how are the players going to find out what the culture? It's by seeing what the people in those organizations do, how they act, what their values are, what their beliefs are. Interesting. Interesting. So in, from the point of view of the player experience, it's the organization that defines the culture of that region. If you don't have organizations, there is no culture in that region. Not that you can, you can tell them, but they don't experience, they don't see it. Right. If they don't, without the organizations. It's an interesting chicken and the egg argument, Mm -hmm. right? Does, does the culture define the organization or vice versa? And it's, it's weird because I don't think I've ever, um, built any world organization and then geography. Right. But I mean, and most people won't. They'll do geography and they're like, oh, this region, I want this kind of a country in this world. Right. And therefore, but in the, I don't want to talk about it's from the point of view of the player experience. What defines within the experience of the player, mm-hmm. the culture? How do I find out about, in my mind, about the culture in that region? It's the organizations. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, it's this merchant guild. Yes. All the NPCs hate it because they're unscrupulous. It demonstrates that this is unscrupulous in this culture. Mm. Whereas this is a good merchant group. Okay. Right. It's these two organizations defining the culture for me as a player. Right. Okay. So I think. Not really from building. Yeah. So I think there was a bit of a leap from the world builders perspective. Mm, I guess so. Maybe that was wrong. The the player. No, it's not wrong. Wrong, It was just totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. It, um, it definitely is worth liking and subscribing for your wrongness. But uh, beyond that, that's true. No, I, I think I I agree with you in the aspect from the player's view of the show don't tell mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah, that you will experience the organizational cultural influence before you perceive the world builder's geographical cultural influence. But they're really tied hand in hand a lot of times, right? They, yes. These are hardy yes. mountain folk who mine the mountains. Well, are they hardy because they're mountains folk? Or are they miners, which makes them hardy? But they're miners only because they have mountains. Well, no, they're, they're, they're hardy because the organization that manders the miners makes them go and physically mine it. Mm. But if the organization is like, no, we have magic tools that can do this for you. Right. So they're all weak, but they're just smart enough to, 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 to work the magical matrix. to dig right to dig them or to or to like say repair and maintain the, the tom downs that do it for them right so the miners aren't hardy yeah right? it's that organization and how what it values and in, in its own actions that define that culture interesting right it's like the worst matchup the, of the matrix in yeah, minecraft it's, a, it's the same geography i know how to mine right but the <laughs> culture is different it's the magic miners and like the body miners <laughs> The yeah, muscle yeah. miners. Muscle miners. <laughs> muscle miners. What are you mining for? Muscles. Muscle, baby. Bro. Bro. Do you even mine muscles? Do you even mine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, okay. You no, like I, protein? I like protein. I like protein in the minds <laughs> for the muscles. Um, okay, yes, I appreciate the difference. But yeah, the, yeah so I, I, it's it's an interesting perspective to try and in world building yes. side of things to engage with the organizations first. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily, I think my point is you don't necessarily do the organization first. But have in mind that it's the organizations that define the culture for, for the for cultural the, experience. Yes, yeah, for the for the for the PCs uh, for the PCs. Right, because if the PCs don't experience it, why bother having that culture? It's wasted. Um, you know what I mean? Mm, like if they're not shown oh, that culture. Wow, uh, another loaded question. Y- yeah, but you can like I mean, why have a treasure be- behind every waterfall if the players never go behind the waterfall? Because um, it's the right thing to do, guys. It's the right thing to do. Butter those waterfalls. Yeah. Um, no, because no, you can you can utilize narrative aspects. This is outside scope. Sorry. Uh, you can utilize narrative aspects to other or to um, engage the characters in knowing that there is a culture that is different, divergent, evil, bad, whatever. Because oh, over there, there's a warlord that likes to slave people. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that go into the muscle mines, not free folk over here that, right. that mine their own muscles and blah blah blah. Um, there, there is <laughs> a way. Own, don't make me mine my own muscle. I bro. got this weird like scuba diver. See anyway, because muscles, right? Like, yeah, oysters, yeah. muscles. Yeah. Anyway, um, no. So it's it's interesting because you can use cultural influence and cultural narrative. Like, oh no, we don't go beyond this artificial boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's their land and they, right. they are bad people. Right. Even if they're not, right? Even if it's just like the the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting that you can use cultural influence and therefore organizational influence to you like be a rumor. Right. In order to influence and or experience yeah. the world yeah. in a certain slant until right. you uncover those biases or whatever uh, from the PCC. Yeah. But organizations, super important, mm. super useful yeah, for, in both for cultural context absolutely yeah all right yeah interesting i thought you might be like what yeah, yeah. no i i think i think it's worth the challenge to go and like do things backwards sometimes just to mm-hmm. see how you can shake up the system and get different perspectives That'd be interesting um but to design to design organizations before geographies is really or maybe no something. no it's weird people like to have a stage before they design the spheres of influence right Absolutely, do the stage first because that makes sense, <laughs> right? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think I, think I don't necessarily have to. Actually, it's a worthwhile. It's interesting because you, if you, you could say, do like, it. What are the top four? We're digressing. What are like the top three or four <laughs> organizations? When keep going in this city that I'm designing? Yeah. How did they influence the way that the city looks, feels, works? Blah blah. blah it right? is interesting, as opposed to going, oh, this is a populated city, so it's got to have a thieves guild. Right? No, it might the be more interesting doing primary, the organization first, actually. It could be as an exercise. Yeah. It could be because then you go, oh, these are the influences. So, what are the thieves like? The thieves like densely packed slums. Yeah. Secret so passages. Are, so, there are some twisty, twisty alleys and stuff. Right. Yeah. It could be interesting whether that's quadrant based or that's like mm-hmm. area or that's intermingling. Anyway, that, that could actually be an interesting yeah. exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Digression. Ended. Get back on the train. Back on the train. And since you're jumping back on the train, um, why don't you punch that ticket right down there? Jump on, like, subscribe. 
Okay. Hit notification bell because you don't want to be late for your trains. Uh, they run on time here in Caffeine and Cantrips land. Yeah. Yeah. More accurate than the Germans and the Japanese combined. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. So accurate. Super so, accurate. So accurate. They're like wizard trains. They arrive precisely when they mean to. Right. Yeah. Except when someone jumps on the tracks. Uh, Japan. Only super. Looking cool. at you. Yeah. We don't allow that here. Um, but the, <laughs> anyways, the last thing I want to talk about to try to convince you guys that uh, oh. for the case of organizations within a campaign is uh, ge- geographical presence. Okay. Right. Um, so the locations and the strongholds of uh, your organization are are a part of the geography of the world. Obviously. Yes. Right. Unless they don't have buildings, but typically yeah. they do. Even if they don't, their presence is right in in certain areas areas in your world um, affect the geography mm-hmm. of like where you can go, borders, stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So things stuff like guild halls, temples, training grounds, secret hideouts. Etc. Those kinds of things, right? Um, they each contribute to the geography and the sense of place in your game. So I'm going to say another thing that that may be a hot take, but no one cares about a place unless that place has a purpose. Oh, no one cares about a place. Wow, unless that place has a purpose. We're going to get hate mail from Purposeless Town. Right? But no one cares about that place. So who cares? Um, And (laughs) organizations are what give purpose to places. Yes. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, these, uh, this forest is important and we care about it because that's where our village hunters go to get Mm -hmm. meat. Right? And Mm -hmm. they hunt and whatever. Um, This Mine is important because we have organizations, organizations that go and want to get things from there. If it's just some <laughs> random, like, yep. glade yep. that no one even knows about, no one gives a crap about it because there's no organizations that care, no, no, like, people. I mean, maybe the deer. Colorful language warning. Um, yeah, yes. But, yeah, no one cares unless you have an organization well, to and, care about, to give a purpose. Card, the trump card there goes to the PCs as well. Mm-hmm. Right, because even if the NPCs care, the PCs don't. Well, then you just you don't go there. You don't explore. You well, don't, yeah, right. But if the NPCs care about a place enough, or an organization cares about a place enough, mm-hmm. and that the PCs have a connection, mm-hmm. or they have like an encounter with that organization, mm-hmm. then it becomes uh, important to the PCs, sort of secondarily through their organization. Interesting. Like, I don't care about this alley, but I can't walk through it, right? Because yeah. this organization's like, no, yeah. that alley is important, right? That's where we mug everyone. You can't just go through there. Like being, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I like it. I, I recently ran a session where I built a town around a snailery. Snailery. A snailery. Yeah. And uh, my players, it's a, a word I made up. because <laughs> I don't know if the snailery is an actual thing. Uh, but like a, a ranch for snails, for giant snails. Yeah. Because that's awesome. Yep. I'll keep talking. Okay, cool. And uh, <laughs> in, they're in, they, they completely avoided it. The players went right past that and went on to other things. And it wasn't until like a week later. All right, guys. A snailery, according to the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, is a place where edible snails are bred and fattened for market. Nice. So there you go. I didn't make it up. A snailery. I just got it right. 
Serendipity. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, and the players went right past it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this place is so cool. I've developed all of these things that have to do with this. And they're like, nope. And then yep. and then between sessions, uh, one of my players sent me messages like, what the hell is a snailery? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess you'll have to find out next session. You right? should have just Googled it. Go, go it's like the first out. thing on <laughs> What a spoiler, Miriam Webster. Ugh. Right. Ugh. So yeah. Uh, so for all those purposes, really, I want to encourage you guys to make sure you have organizations mm-hmm. of some scope in mm-hmm. your campaign because it adds so much. Um, especially if you're world building, mm-hmm. thinking about organizations this way, hopefully will sort of get those brain juices flowing on how to like, because we want to have cultural context. We want to have immersive experience. We want dynamics and a history, right? You, you got to have organizations. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. And I think unless you're, unless you're running a game and or you're a part of a game that's like purely war game. Right. Right. You're, you're going to have at least one organization. Right. Probably two. But you're going to have at least one organization, whether you like it or not. Yep. So welcome to the party. Right. The, the PC Ooh. party is an organization unto itself, which you did mention. That was your fourth sphere. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, they're like a force on its own, right? Well, they, they are, and they become a bigger sphere of influence as they level, right? That's yes. why they talk oh, about the, yeah. the tiers of gameplay yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, the tiers of like, gameplay. Like, they're equal to the gods when it comes to sphere of influence, right? Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, possibly, if your campaign goes that high. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really interesting to think that regardless of whether you plan it or not, mm-hmm. um, the PCs are an organization unto yeah. themselves. absolutely. Right? And... I suppose digging in a little bit to what you said, because you just mentioned a whole schwack of things. I was just trying to convince people to make organizations. Yeah, yeah. And I think think sometimes when we talk about stuff, Mm -hmm. there's too many ingredients in your sandwich. Right? It's overwhelming. Okay. Right? Break it down for us. I I think that I will a little bit. I just talked about the butter, really, guys. (laughs) That was just the butter. It's just the butter. Wait till we start talking about the condiments. Um... (laughs) No, it's it's something that I think is really important to consider that, like you said, the structures of the campaign world are going to have an influence on how the players go forth and interact with the world, with those particular structures. And since you're already in an organization, uh, and now that you've made one, being mm-hmm. the PC party, mm-hmm. right, it, it should be, whether it's very small at the beginning, like PCs, or yep. it's very large, like a villainous organization <laughs> that is your BBEGs, whatever, Mastermind right. Grand, or Hive, or whatever it is. <laughs> well, like a, a queen all the way down to drones, yes. right? Can yes. be yeah. an organization. They definitely are organized. Right? So, and that's a little bit different, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and so since since we're already in one and we already have one, so you can't say that your game doesn't have any. We should flush it out a little bit. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so I think, honestly, much like making characters. Honestly. Honestly. Um, yeah. I think that purpose <laughs> and goals are going to be some of the major factors that contribute to defining that kind of primary concern of the organization. Oh, and, ha- okay. and, and that will then influence yeah. and or uh, inform as to what its motivations are, what it would look for, and how it would influence no, we're, culture. We're jumping on, you know, right. on like how to how to create a good organization, how to flesh out an organization, how to how to well, not necessarily a good. Well, 
good in quality, but not necessarily good in alignment. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Even, even when we've talked about previously in like how to make a better villain, mm-hmm. right. You need to define those goals yes. and the purpose of what yep. they want. Right. You should be able to have that perfect bite. Mm-hmm. Eventually, once you flushed it all out to understand, oh, what this is. Yep. Right. And yep. oh, I know a blank by its blank. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we go in and we flush out these objectives, they can be, and they should be a way to, like we said before, right? You want to see the way the world works, see how the systems work. Mm-hmm. When we are exploring oh, one of those pillars, no, the great um, pillars, right? These goals that are proposed through the organization can be great ways to have exploration based quests and storylines to further fill out your world or to attach to the world in different parts to either annex those and make them a part of itself Mm -hmm. or to like symbiotically mesh. So there's reasons and information as to why things are like that. Okay. Right. And maybe that's why we do like geography first and then organizations to see how they fit sometimes, or you don't have, a rural bandit camp in the middle of an urban environment. The geography states that it has to be a rural bandit camp. Right. Right. And they're going to act differently. They're going to be highwaymen. Yep. They're not going to be like cut purses and stuff like yep. that. Right. So there, there is information that we can derive by picking out what the purpose, what the goal is and how that story wants to be unfurled. How that story, what we're going to lead for the organization, to, for yep. their organization. Yep. Right. The next thing that I think is really important when we're talking about flushing things out is what resources and assets are integral to your organization. So now a resource or an asset can be kind of anything, right? These can be, uh, and I'll come back to this first one, a headquarters, uh, hidden bases, uh, NPCs that are included in the organization, actual resources, gold lumber, mm-hmm. wheat, sheep, clay, rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can tan lovers. Um, fish. So physical re- fish, uh, the boot, uh, and items. So maybe this is like a uh, an alchemist group or like a magic shop group or whatever, mm. right? They could have access to magical items that right. you couldn't. Or just like, hey, we're the only guys that sell crowbars. <laughs> crowbars are us, baby. You're like any of those crates. <laughs> yeah, uh, without one of these patented crowbars. Um, so these, we these also make crates. Headquarters, bases, NPCs, resources, items. These are all sorts of resources and assets that you can have in that organization mm-hmm. that are going to, once again, further talk about or show what that organization is about, what is integral to their cause. Miners need mines. Yes. That is an asset because they're looking for something and they're mining it out of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And they're bringing it or space rock or whatever it is that you've got. And they're bringing it forth to become a usable commodity. Right. Without that, they can't be a miner. Right. Mines also need miners. Yes. Or else it's just a cave. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just the dungeon and want. Um, But it's, it's, I said that the most important one was the first one, and that's headquarters. Mm. And you, you must, and this is going to be built on later in, in my sandwich, you have to have a physical representation of your organization for it to be an organization. Or else it's a concept or an idea, and it's not necessarily something that is an organization. It could be a movement. It could be a philosophy. It could be a belief but it's not an organization if there's no physical manifestation of it. 
Okay. Yes. And that, that might be one to wrap your head around a little bit. Um, the purpose for that is, is there needs to be something that can be built off of and or attacked. And I'm going to get to attacking and interacting with organizations a little bit later. But I, I think that a headquarters or an identifying point, even if that is the PCs who are mm-hmm. just madcap gallivanters, littlest hobos that go around killing people for gold. Okay, great. They, it's a different TV show. They, they themselves, <laughs> yes, littlest hobo. Oh, solution. Um, there's, there is the PCs themselves are the physical manifestation of their organization. Yes. Where they yes. go, they influence. Where they leave, bloodshed and tears are in their wake. Y- yes. Right? Okay. That's, that's the simplest, but they also like, hey, we want a castle or we want a house to go to so mm-hmm. we can find room for our cuddly pets that we pick up on our journeys. Whatever yeah. it is, there has to be like a headquarters or a physical manifestation. I mean, there doesn't... I agree with you. Okay. I agree with you. With an asterisk, I um, Well, it doesn't need to have a physical headquarters. No, a physical manifestation. Or a manifestation of a headquarters. But it needs to have a center of power. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's, like, this group of uh, druids that hang out, and they, they move, they don't have a physical space that's, that they have, but, it's, but they are the headquarters. Something like that. Or, like, the... the, the the PC party, their organization, and they are the manifestation. They are the headquarters because they don't have a house. They don't have a stronghold or anything, right? Um, so you don't need one, but definitely it's more, organizations are more effective with a physical manifestation of their headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So I think, I think to hit our level of good quality, not uh, alignment, mm-hmm. um, organizational status, yeah. I think that there has to be that headquarters. Yeah. I think you can do it without it, but it's, it's much more difficult to do it well. I'm willing to much debate more. that, but yeah. I won't currently. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason that the headquarters, I think, integrally becomes really responsible um, for a lot of the organization is what you mentioned before, is the history and the lore that develops. Yeah. There, yeah. There's generally, like you said, a place of power or mm-hmm. a place that is centralized, that is influencing and radiating out that influence that, that sphere, sphere yes. from that centralized point. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why like decentralized systems and like cells of sleeper agents and stuff gets really kind of weird, but there is still that mother country or father country that's hosting those sleepers. Yeah. That, that is kind of putting its tentacles out into yep. those smaller little pots. There, there is still that kind of home base. That centralized right? power. Right. right? And yeah. that's, that's how that compelling backstory is developed for the organization, right? Because it's developing the culture or it's hand in hand developing the culture and it's world around itself while the world around itself influences the organization, Mm -hmm. right? Just like we're grounding our PCs, we're grounding our organization Mm -hmm. in realistic, reliably accurate things Mm -hmm. that like feel like they go together. Yeah. And if they don't, then we have a really good reason to find that hook to tie those two together <laughs> um, so that we can go and we can share this lore and we can share, do more of that showing, not telling. Yeah. Right. Through more NPCs, through like more. books or items or merchant caravans that are going out and spreading the word yes. through like random bards, through ancient ruins. Um, it's, it's also, I think... 
one of the ways that we can create a living backstory in the game. So as you are... What do you mean by that? Well, I would love to explain. Please. When we create our characters, right? Yeah. I'm creating a fighter. What did my fighter do before becoming a PC? Right. Oh, he was a soldier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was a soldier of whatever organization. Yep. After he left that to become a PC, he joined up with some merchants to still be soldier-like, right? But that merchant is now, like, it's present tense. Yeah. That he's riding yep. around protecting that, mm-hmm. that stuff. It's no longer their backstory. It's like this living, and I don't want to say story because we talk about story arcs and we talk about story circles and all that stuff. But it is something that's affecting the character in their present day. Okay. Right? And so we can go, oh, well, you're a guard. So obviously it makes sense that when you were a soldier, the soldiers or the barracks would feed you and clothe you and put you up for the night so you wouldn't mm-hmm. have to go to the inn. Well, the merchants probably do the same thing. Right. Whenever you go to a merchant's kind of rest stop, they'll take care of you. Why? Because you're one of theirs. Right. Right. And so it can, it can help identify its members' identities and how they interact with the world as well because they're representatives of that kind of home base. It's interesting. You call it living because it, it is in the present day and it changes and evolves with in the, the world. With the story, with the yeah. PCs, with yeah. the interactions that you make, with the decisions that you make in every episode right. or every session that you have. Your, your story, your, so your backstory is interacting with your present story, just like the world's backstory is interacting with your present influence right. changing, right? right? And so it becomes when we join up with these organizations or when we experience them, interact with them, whatever, we are engaging in, in kind of muddling the water a little bit mm-hmm. to see what's going on. And by touching it, we're moving those spheres of influence that you said that move the world. Yep. But it's in little ways, perhaps, or it could be in big ways. doesn't matter. Right. What's happening is you are evolving. You are changing. Mm-hmm. And that really gets in when we start talking about conflict. Right. In between organizations. So we'll talk about that now. Mm-hmm. But it is something, I think, to be aware of that these things, if you're talking about this organization establishes cultural relevance. Yeah. When you start playing with that, you start playing with the culture of an area. Yes. And if you're yep. influencing that, you're changing that. And if you're changing that, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, well, it's a great idea. The DM does. He <laughs> doesn't you know, don't know anything. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, it's interesting. I like it. Um, it's cool. But I think that, I mean... Organizations are great. And we talk about like how we can make sort of a, a, a deeper organization, a richer organization, how they affect the world. But I think all this stuff about organizations is of limited value, actually. If the players, not the PCs, if the players don't really care about them or engage with them. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a huge, right? huge. Um, so how do we get players to buy into an organization? How do we get their skin in the game? Right, let's talk about that. Advertising. Um, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome As to D&D. D- I just want to hand out some pamphlets for you guys to read. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it goes to the list of, you know, the, the prevalent major organizations in the world for you there. Join the Zentara. Yeah. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> I saw it's the great. movie. Weren't they the bad guys? No, 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 no. It's up to you. It's just Harper's Light. Uh, <laughs> but I think... I think 
there's a couple ways of sort of te- or techniques you can use to sort of um, encourage the players to buy into organizations mm, okay. or an organization. Right. If you want, if you kind of want them to guide them towards a certain direction, right? Um, and the first one is using narrative integration. Mm, okay. okay? Yep. Simple. Yep. Right. Make sure that your organization organization is is sort of integrated into the overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. It's not just some side thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's the merchant skill, but there's no there's no reason narratively to ever interact with the merchant skill. Mm-hmm. Right? Then players probably won't care because they're, I don't know, they're probably concentrated and focused only on chasing down that one dude to take him down. Which is fine because the Merchant's Guild needs you to go and take back one of their old outposts. Right. That that guy took over, right? And now which is a, a nice way of introducing oh, exactly that organization to the players yes. narratively. Yes. Right? It sh- like I said, it shouldn't feel like a separate or isolated element because no one cares about that. Mm-hmm. Like a, right? Because there's no purpose narratively. Mm-hmm. And if there's no purpose, no one cares about it. Unbuttered bread. Right. Um, so you should make, make sure to, to weave your organizations into the fabric of the campaign storyline. Let's weave it in. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it, so it just makes sense. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's not just some random one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately I know what it's there for. What, like, at least in that, in that slice I'm encountering. Mm-hmm. Right? I know why it matters for me to care mm-hmm. about or think about this organization. Yes. Because right? that dude has their stronghold and I want to ruin that dude. So I'll take that stronghold for this organization. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you've, it's a small hook that they've bitten into. Right. Inadvertently. Cause just cause they want to take down the dude. Well, it also answers some questions. Oh, these are merchants that carry goods from one place to the other. Yeah. That outpost was an outpost for carrying goods from one place to the other. I don't have to ask what the purpose was. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Um, another way of doing it is, uh, through character ties. Oh yeah. Not, not ties, but like, Ties, narrative ties, story ties. Uh, so you, what you can do is create <laughs> connections between your player characters and the organizations. Now you're like, I'm the DM. How do I connect anything to the players? You should tell them. I <laughs> love this. A character might have like a personal story with a particular organization. Because I said that so. That they've created and you can take and sort of run off with it. Because I changed your backstory. Right? It could be a familial tie uh, or could they just have some strong interest in that kind of activity, right? In their backstory. I forgot to tell you, you're all tabaxi. <laughs> right? Um, and this, having this tie-in with the characters in the backstory, mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, naturally will motivate your players to engage with that organization. Mm-hmm. Again, you can't really force, I mean, you can force them, I guess, but the players won't be happy and you don't want that. No, they can um, feel when their agency is threatened. Yes. So yeah. what you can do is set this up before session one. So in your session zeros, or in between session zero and session one, during that player character creation process, mm-hmm. you can go in and, and work with your players to build tie-ins. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and then when your session one starts, you're good to go. Now you'll find that a lot in module right. style mm-hmm. um, D&D. Oh, here's backgrounds. Well. Yeah, choose no, one of these background you, elements. You know, right? you know this NPC mm-hmm. via one of these six. Either roll or pick one, right? Yeah. And then go, right? And so you're like, oh, yeah, no, I met him once and he saved me. From well, it's their way of ensuring that every character has a decent hook and decent reason to, a reason to follow care. the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's so important. 
it yeah it is. Well, as for DMs and for players. True. Right. Um, another way of doing it, it seems obvious, but give in-game benefits. Right. Mm-hmm. So offer tangible in-game benefits like um well, well for for engaging with your organization, like uh, unique items or special resources, training, access to information that can give them gameplay advantages, mm-hmm. uh, access to different areas of the camp before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Those resources and assets. Right. right. And players want that. Like, oh, where can I get this magic mm-hmm. item? Well, this organization is rumored to be able to make something like that or has access or knows where it is, right? And all of a sudden. Well, if you don't know what to do with that, like I said, living backgrounds, mm-hmm. go look at the backgrounds. Yeah. And go and say, oh, while your character started out as an acolyte, now he's a traveling priest healing the guards of this merchant caravan. Great. He now also gets the soldier background when dealing with the mercenary, or sorry, with, when dealing with the merchants, mm-hmm. right? So they will take care of him. They will give him room. They will give him board, yeah. right? And free travel and whatnot, as long as he continues to work for them. As soon as he cuts ties with that organization, because he was an employee or whatnot, then that benefit ends. Mm-hmm. But it's also not overpowering or unbalancing the game yeah because that kind of stuff is built into every character yeah right yeah. and it doesn't change the world yeah but it does give you a slightly different look at it hmm? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah um and i think lastly i want to talk about uh tailored hooks story hooks oh, okay uh, and i think every dm knows this right or tries to do it like to create sort of uh, story hooks and quests that sort of relate to the organizations that the they think that the characters will be interested in because of their personalities or the backstories or whatever, right? Mm. Um, and to to lesser and greater degrees of success, right? Because we all know players are the best at ignoring story hooks. <laughs> they're so good at it, and I mean, well, know. the only ones who can, <laughs> right? It's true. <laughs> so yes, they are um, definitely the best. But you can get sneaky about it. So instead of necessarily doing tailored hooks, you should make sneaky hooks. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so let's get sneaky with these hooks. Think about uh, the boiling frog syndrome. Syndrome? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a syndrome. Not example. It's a syndrome. It's, well, they, it's just a thought experiment. I don't think okay. they actually did the boiling frog. I don't think anyone tried it so anyways for those of you who don't know the boiling I mean, the frog 1800s were syndrome crazy it's true uh the idea is that if a frog is suddenly put into boiling water it'll jump out right away mm. well i think if it can <laughs> uh, but if the frog is put into tepid water and then the water then is brought slowly to a boil uh the frog won't perceive the danger because it's just slowly getting warmer and warmer until mm-hmm. it just gets cooked to death. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so that's what we can do as DMs. We don't want to cook our players to death. But we do yeah, want we to do. slowly, yeah, <laughs> sometimes, slowly draw them into an organization you know who you so are. that they're in the midst of that organization before they even realize it. Right? Um, right? So they're like, I've bought into something and it's an organization. Interesting. Right? Interesting. Right? It's being sneaky about it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's still their choice. Mm. Right? You're not, you're, not, you're not taking away their agency necessarily. Uh, but the trick is that 
any NPC can be part of an organization. And it might not necessarily be noticeable or apparent on, on just sort of casual interactions with them. Now, might I add, you, you didn't say it, but you implied that every NPC is part of an organization. It can be. I mean, every NPC is part of an organization, yeah. but every NPC can be part of an sort of formal organization. Right. Because you can call a family an organization, like a town organization. Sure. Right? But anyways, so anyone can be part of a formal organization. Yeah. Um, and you can always drop the party's favorite NPC into an organization after the fact. Right? Like, they weren't, but, oh, you really like this NPC. So you can always add them in sort of retroactively into an, into an organization because it just wasn't apparent. That's, they've always been in this organization, right? And the player experiencing it will never know. Unless you're mm-hmm. like really ham-fisted about it. Like all of a sudden, they're, it's the florist and she's so gentle and so nice and all she does is collect flowers and sell them. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, she's actually part of the Barbarian Tribe Club. The Barbarian Enthusiasts. Right, and she just, all of a sudden her character changes and everything's like, wait, that's We weird. rage for fun. Right, and profit. Buy this flower. Um, but, right, anyway, unless you're really obvious about it, any NBC can, be, can always have been in a part of uh, an organization. You can make a decision retroactively. Wow. Okay. 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 Um, so you fudge your dice rolls too, don't you? <laughs> no, I just, but I, you know I, what, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I think, I think this is a hotter take than you think it is. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, I know. Cause you don't sit on the other side as much. Um, I know you listen to the other side, but it's, it's an interesting concept mm-hmm. to uh, retroactively remove choice. There's still a choice. We'll get to that. Oh. We'll get to that. Please. All right? It gets philosophical in the end. We'll talk about it, though. So, anyways, I'm just going to go through this whole idea first. How to, how to boil yes, your, your please, new players. Please. Please. Right? And maybe, maybe the imagery is wrong. It's negative because you're boiling. But anyways. Um, Some like it hot. Right? Maybe you're, you're secretly curing their disease. Right? Before they know it, they're like, oh, I'm cured. Secretly curing their disease. Yeah, slowly. Okay. Bef- giving them the cure before they... Anyways. Um, so once they, they're, they're, they're involved, they're, they're already involved with this NPC they like. Right. And then through that NPC, you introduce more NPCs that are important and related to that first one. And you go do quests from, you know, you give them quests from NPCs, right? Um, and, and they will naturally, the players will naturally be invested, uh, will invest themselves into those NPCs and the happenings around them because they care for that NPC if you're doing it right. Sure. Right? Um, don't just kill the NPC, right? There's a reason for you not to kill NPC because you want to use N- NPC as a tool, as a bait to kill players, to, to draw them in, right? Yes. Um, and as you do that, uh, the players don't know, but they are, they've been buying in the whole time, not into an organization, but into, into characters, NPCs, that they just happen to be a character in, okay. in, in, in an organization. Okay. Right? And it's not until later, probably, that they find out that you know, that all these characters are part of an organization. Right. And at that time, they can, they can jump out if they want to. Like, you'll never, players will do what, whatever players want to. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so you'll never be able to just boil them alive. They'll, you can always jump out. 
Are you like, oh no, you guys are thieves the whole time? Peace. Or I'm going to arrest you because I'm a guard. Mm-hmm. Right? You should have known. And that's fine. Right? But you've gotten them to interact with this organization for whatever purpose you have. Right? And you've done in a way that from the player's point of view was very organic because they, because you'll never know, right? So you won't, even if, and here's the philosophical part. Right. If you were, if you don't feel like your choice, you don't have a choice. If you feel like you have a choice and you choose anyways, does it matter if it's, you have less choice than you had before? You know what I mean? Like from the, if you never know, is it still okay that 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 the NPC, like if you never knew that the NPC was not a part of that organization, and then it was added up retroactively, would I care as a player? Because to me, they've always like when I find out that they're in an organization, they've always been in that organization. You can never tell. Yeah. No, no sorry. Not that you can never tell which way it is. If you're the DM and you do that, you can never tell them. No. Because, because you have, we've talked about this before, you have negated their decisions by forcing the world to conform to what you want, regardless of what they were doing. I mean, in a sense, you do that anyways. I don't think so. Not if you only write forward. But if you're like, oh, initially, this character uh, wasn't part of anything. But as the PCs met them, as the PCs changed them, influenced them, right, changed their path, they became slightly different. And in becoming slightly different, they then befriended and or engaged this organization that they slowly became a part of, kind of leading the PCs in that direction, is, is something very different from, oh, yeah, uh, your grandmother was a wolf the whole time. Well, was she? Because I cast old person on her and it held her. But you can't do that on a wolf. Oh, wolves are people too. <laughs> well, they're not. They're a different <laughs> creature type, totally. But like that, that example, like, oh, does it, does it matter if we turn right or left in the dungeon? If the next room that we encounter is room number two on your list, DM? Mm-hmm. It is, is a fake decision a decision? I think it's not. But if I, from the, the play experience. This is why you can never tell. Yeah. Right. Just like you, you should never tell if it's prepped or spontaneous. Mm. You should never tell unless it's like way out there. But like it is, it is a nuanced thing that you've mentioned. And yeah. I, I think there's very strong reactions in the community to that sort of thing. Well, let us know in the comments. Take, tell me what you guys think. It'd be interesting because there's arguments for both sides, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And there may be good reasons to do either. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, but you mentioned that there is a way of doing this, I guess, without having to retroactively do anything. Yeah, I, I generally just think make them secretly join the organization after a fact. They could. Yeah, they absolutely could. You or they just not I mean not secretly, just never comes up. Or they were, yeah. Or it makes more sense if they were in that town. You didn't really know why they were in that town, but to ground them, oh, they were there because they were trying to be recruited, or they were trying to be whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it makes more sense then, and players, uh, apart from sometimes being oblivious. Right. So that this like Always. frog in the pot <laughs> scenario becomes yeah. kind of difficult because from my experience, uh, it is beyond boiling. And they're like, wait, <laughs> wait, this is lava. <laughs> we should probably get out. And you're like, yeah, no, the TPK was already done like five sessions ago. Um, so so there is there is something to be said of 
as opposed to providing that like incremental increase. That's great for like tension and story mm-hmm. arcs and whatnot. But I think that that whole like the sweeter the bait kind of thing to at least entice them in that direction. And then you let them choose, right? And whether or not the story is going in that direction that you wanted it to railroad style, mm-hmm. if we're talking about that, um, it becomes an issue, I think, to yeah. force people onto the railroad when they. Well, it, it might be. It might be that there's there's nothing else in the world. You're going to have to do this at some point. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And the players you need to give players the players some kind of direction because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for someone to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it is an interesting thing that you have suggested. I know. So, I yeah, no, uh, do jump in the comments. Do yell at Sean. Uh, he loves it. I do. Yeah. Well, any, any comments yeah. I love. Right? Good and bad. Yeah. So. Hell of that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about, especially if you're talking about an NPC that you are or are not, you know, forcing things to happen to, um, for the good of the story. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, think, and for the good of the player experience. Right. Interacting with them is something that is also extremely important. Yeah. And and so I think I think it's good that we say hello to the little people every now and then. Oh, the like and subscribe button, you mean? The like and subscribe is especially little. I don't know if YouTube doesn't like us. It's really sweet. see how accurate you are with your mouse. If you can maybe have a big screen. Go. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're like really far away. Well, so you guys are on your phones, anyways. So and your just... mouse, your mouse. Oh, if you don't even have a mouse, then you're just like freewheeling. I know, right? But if you're like you and you've got that tiny little cursor, and it's all the way across That's a, the room it's on the big screen. It's a big like, screen. Yeah. I think I got it. Yes. <laughs> like, where's my mouse? I'm playing League of Legends. I don't know where I'm clicking. You don't even need a mouse in that game. You're just terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> hit the like, hit the subscribe. Um, yeah, notifications. Jump in the comments. Let us know. Uh, come visit us. Patreon. Come visit us. Spotify. Apple Play. Google Play. All the plays. Samsung Play. All the plays. All the plays. Yeah. We Podcast Play. And we're waiting for you to come join us. Um, yeah. Yeah, so say we're the little people too. Yeah. Yeah, till you help us out and then we get a little bit bigger. Sorry, saying hello to your little friends. Yeah, no, uh, like us. But no, saying hello to the little friends, I think it is important to understand when we're talking about interacting, right? First we were exploring and we were understanding and now you've kind of moved on your scope and your idea of actually like being influenced and influenced mm-hmm. and how to interact and whether or not to have like bait or to have a story hook or to have whatever. Yeah. Um, are very, very important uh, and different ways of creating interactions. Okay. Right. And, and hot take or not, right. The way that we create that interest and create that interaction is going to ultimately change how the PCs feel. About okay. It. So when we are experiencing this, do remember that there is an entire framework in your organization, however loose or rigid you want it to be, okay. right? There is a leadership hierarchy within the organization. Yes. There kind of always is. Or it's not really an organization. Um, even if it, like, it's really difficult. I don't, it's hard it's, to imagine. It's much harder to, like, yeah. well, when you go to the idea of, like, oh, we're a bunch of druids. We come together to pray and or, like, talk and, and whatever at the same sacred grove. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we kind of all go do our own thing in our own parts of the forest, and we don't really bother each other. Well, it's anarchy. 
Um, which is a form of organization minus the hierarchy. Yes. Right? So that still has an organization to your organization. Kind of. I, I, don't, I don't think it really counts. Most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. You are going to be dealing with a hierarchy. So mm-hmm. do understand the key figures, the key personalities that are driving these goals and motivations. When you're creating a That are driving the culture of this organization. Um, how they interact with those assets. Maybe okay. they are one of the NPCs that you gain access to, and that's a reward, right? These key figures. As a flower seller lady. As part of the story yep. and or as well a part of the organization itself, right? They, mm-hmm. can, they can have mm-hmm. a foot in both worlds. It's best if they do. Absolutely. And so when we have these key personalities, we have these key individuals, um, they can be quest givers, right? They, mm-hmm. can be, mm-hmm. they can be lore dumps. They can be... Um, areas of sanctuary, if the PCs have done some bad things, right? They can use their influence to assist the PC in a, in a menagerie of different ways. Yes. Right. And these are, these are all important things, right? Because then this will be the other side of the coin where you're ingratiating the PCs to this NPC for good reasons, not for artificial ones. It's interesting because you have, talk about hierarchies within your organization and you're talking mm-hmm. about like how they can be quest givers it's interesting because then you have different levels of quest givers for them and mm-hmm. your, your players will naturally have that progression through mm-hmm. the organization well, by and, going through the, up, up the hierarchy basically yeah and it's it's really important to remember that every organization caveat every organization has their c-suite right their executive mm-hmm. the boss the captain the general mm-hmm. uh, the high divine general Bam. Uh, and they have their mooks, their grunts. Right. The absolute bottom of the totem pole people that if you work at Ikea, you are important. Just as important as the higher ups, right? That's how it works. Yeah. Because you are important. You make the day-to-day store run. And if the day-to-day store doesn't run. Well, as a, as a group, you're important. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, right? Uh, the, the people at the bottom of the pyramid don't belong there. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But they, <laughs> they are important to the function of the yes. entire pyramid, yes. right? And they are a necessity. However they're treated. Hopefully good. So, <laughs> so it, it's important to remember, right? All the way from the CEO's desk to the mailroom, mm-hmm. these are interaction points. Every floor is a space where your PCs can get on, right? So the mm-hmm. PCs like to support the little people. Great. I have, a, I have a peasant, quote unquote, peasant level person. They're peasants. Who is a recruiter and who is looking for people who want to do good to induct into their organization. Right. right. They could also come across bandits attacking a caravan. And that caravan is housing somebody that's a mid-level mm. person in that organization. And they're right. like, wow, thank you so much. You came out of nowhere and you saved I could my use butt. people. I could can really do use some reliable people like yeah. you. Right. And I know some people. So I could get you somewhere. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, that's even better. Right. And so you can have all of these different interaction points, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Especially as you're introducing organizations to varying levels of PCs. Yes. Right. The higher the level of the PC, the higher to the top that they can have an initial interaction with. Mm -hmm. Though you should probably have seeded the field and like made more of that kind of available earlier, but they didn't take that bait or that hook because it wasn't juicy enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And so increasing the rewards for interacting with your story in a, in a kind of consistent amount with their levels or mm-hmm. with that is another great way of getting them to like turn into the story right. that you're telling. Right. Right. Is to reward them for doing that. 
Yeah. Um, Players love rewards. And then we do. We do. And and I love giving them. (laughs) Take it. Yeah, I like that. Take it. Uh, so, so when we're talking about that interaction, right, at any level, mm-hmm. right, and we can make that corresponding to the level of the PCs. Yes. Membership and recruitment opportunities are other great ways to show, once again, always going to relate back in our sandwich, right? One layer builds on the next. It's to show um, that experience that the kind of face to the public, yep. the organization has, right? If it's a, if it's a cultist, for a death god, they're going to meet you hood up in the dark, right? They're going to kind of come out of nowhere and be like, I saw the way you slaughtered those people. It was amazing. <laughs> come to our meeting, right? And you're like, oh, that's a bad guy. But I, I know that this is a bad guy. I know this is a bad organization. I know what's going on. I know what's going on here because you're showing me immediately right. the, how I'm interacting with you versus, oh, my goodness, adventurers. Thank you for hurting my sheep for me. I have no gold to pay you, but I have a friend in town that I would love to send you towards. He he maybe has something for you, right? Uh, don't worry about his cloak and his dark demeanor. <laughs> he's, he's, dark <laughs> he's a, he's a demeanor. great guy. He's a really nice guy once you get past all that <laughs> death culty stuff. Um, <laughs> n- don't necessarily do that too much. There is a space for that, and I know you know that. But there, there also is something to be said for being genuine, mm. right? This is how we're going to role play. This is how we're experiencing this organization. If it's plotted in the story arc that, oh, there's an internal corruption, there's a twist, yeah. but I need you to figure this out slowly, mm-hmm. great. Let's get you to meet the nice people. Let's get you to care about those people so that you want to learn get more that buy-in. in the organization, right? Get that buy-in. And that's going to create that kind of magnetism, right? That recruitment drive to bring the PCs in and to get them to care about the thing right. that they're a part of. Well, like, there's corruption in the organization. Yeah, so what? I don't care unless I care about an NPC that's in the organization. Right. Well, there's corruption who's, in who's, every organization. Who's affected by the corruption. Right. right. Like, oh, it's, they got, were unfairly treated. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a reason to. Correct. Now I've got fix to, to right that wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so when we're, when we're looking at this, this is not only a way that the organization reacts to the public, it's how it reacts to other organizations. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, this one feeds the poor. Oh, that one's trying to starve the poor. I guess they probably don't like each other. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> starve the poor. I don't know. Maybe they want them to move out so that they can develop the area or there's a mine there <laughs> or there's something, there's something yeah. valuable yeah, yeah, about the yeah. land so they want people to move out. Typical nobles. So they hire brigands, right? They hire kind of uh, highwaymen to make life more difficult. Mm-hmm. Right? So people will just naturally move on. Okay. That's the face of the organization. You go and you meet these brigands and they're like, move on. And you're like, I don't want to. And I'm a PC, so I win. Okay, great. But now you know kind of what those people that are driving those gears that you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier mm-hmm. or moving the influence, moving the world, those people at the bottom of the pyramid are going to have one of the truest reflections of the culture and the, the drive of the key personalities at the top. Okay, say it again. <laughs> the people at the bottom of the pyramid yeah. are going to have one of the most genuine or truest versions of the drive of the personalities and the key individuals at the top. Okay. Right, because that, yes. that's shouting out to our, like, expert archetypes. Mm-hmm. That's how they're influencing the world, through their right. organization. Right, because if, if the CEO can say anything. Yes. But if, 
if but the, his if people don't reflect it, then he doesn't reflect it either. Correct. Yeah. Right. And so that's a way that your PCs can explore and like interact socially and be like, why does this not match that? Right. Something's up here. Like you guys say you're a death cult, but you're there for like all the all the fertility ceremonies. You're there for all the like all the harvest midwives. Yeah, like you're, you're having a great time. That's super weird. Right? right. And you're just like, oh. Oh, you, you're all about the funeral rites. You no, no, no more, more life just means more death. Yeah. So we need to promote life. We're in the long game, guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this cult anymore. <laughs> huh. Huh. Okay. Um, this is a great way of, of breaking tropes. But also, anyway, whatever, right? Um, so when we have that genuine face, when we have mm-hmm. that grunt level, we have that everyman level, when those interact... Okay. Right. And this is happening all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Your influence spheres are not like hard limits, right? They, they do have right. like an overlap zone. Yep. And they do influence yep. and push into each other. Um, you're going to develop allies and rivals. Mm. Now, this is from mm-hmm. an organizational standpoint. I mean, obviously, the PCs are going to like or dislike because they're never. Oh, so the organization is going to develop allies and rivals. They have to. They have if you want to. dynamics, yes. Well, and because as we've already said before, only really the deity level exists in a sandbox, or sorry, uh, on an island. Well, even and then, you've got de- deities. You've got deities. pantheons and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but you can't be like, let there be light. Snap, right. it happens. Yeah. Right? Okay, great. Nobody else is interacting with that. But if you've got the military, if you've got a religious organization, mm-hmm. whatever, they have to have allies or they have to be embedded in yep. the the bedrock of your communities and being there means that they're integrating with other groups mm-hmm. even if it's a soft organization like the townspeople of Newtown right right the 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 religious individuals still have to interact with that yep group of individuals yes and and so you're going to get a lot of crossover and now if you have a clear understanding of the goals and motivations on paper, mm-hmm. what the, the organization wants to do, you can clearly see when we're in our world building stance, yep. who's friends with who, who's neutral, and who's rivals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It may not be enemies, but rivals. We'll get into like enemies when we're talking about like two gangs fighting over the same turf or whatever. Right. right? In this, in this case, we're not really there. We're just looking at whether or not their goals and their kind of core features are, or sorry, are in alignment or if they're not. Well, rivals could be like, uh, we have one merchant association that sells jewelry mm-hmm. and another one that sells fine wines, mm-hmm. right? And there's more people spending money on fine wines means less people spending money on jewelry. Well, because they're both like for a luxury dollar. Yes. Right? So they're rivals, but they're not enemies. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that there should be a lot of that. Mm-hmm. There should be a lot mm-hmm. of that in the world. Not to overwhelm you, but there should be a lot of that in the world. And it's not a bad thing to have it. So, so let there be conflicts. Let there be rivalries. Let there be alliances. Let you know the military work with the miners. Oh, we protect every shipment of ore that comes out. Why? Because that's our weapons and armor. Mm-hmm. Right? We should. Yeah, we're protecting your coin because you're selling it to us, but we're also protecting our investment and our ability to do the things that we need to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There should be crossover, there, mm-hmm. right? And it should be very apparent and easy to understand how the crossover works when you understand the goals. Yeah. Right? Of, of the different groups. Which brings us 
probably to the last part of the social interaction part. Okay. When you're saying hello to all the little people. Hello. Is the secrets and the intrigue that's built into most organizations. Um, Because this is where it can kind of get fun. Right, this is where it's not fun already. It it is fun, <laughs> um, but it could be more fun. Ooh, because um, this is one million fun. This is where you are rewarding that exploration play style. This is where you're rewarding people who are spending the time. Mm. They get to play once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, and they're choosing to spend that time investigating your organization. Right, reward them for that. Yes, right? there should be rewards mm-hmm. for this. So the secrets, the hidden agendas, conspiracies, whatever's going on inside that corruption that we were talking about before, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever's giving them a chance to create those investigations or to spend their time making new friends, making new allies, making new rivals or whatever. Reward that. Um, Reward espionage. Reward (laughs) all of these things that are talking about learning more about the world that you created or the world that you're attempting to leverage into playtime. Because once again, that's feeding into all the stuff that we talked about in, in the explorations, mm-hmm. part, right? Mm-hmm. That's feeding into the story, the history, that's feeding into the goals, the purpose, that's feeding into the assets, the resources. You're discovering more and more about the thing that you're involving yourself. So you're going to care more. It's going to be a more engaging play. When it comes to exploration, secrets are really the real rewards. That's why you're exploring, really, mm-hmm. is to find the secrets. Mm-hmm. because. Um, if it's not a secret, it's not really as things that are, that are the, the worth the most to discover are always secrets. They're always yes. non-obvious. Mm-hmm. And that's why we explore. Because mm-hmm. if it's, everything was obvious, you, explore, you wouldn't need study, to explore. Research. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you have to have those secrets, mm-hmm. have those intrigues to be discovered as the point of exploration in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Now, it's important. And I think it's important to kind of leave this idea with the idea of exploration and social interaction are the two most important parts of organizations. Because I think Mm. in general, an organization wants to avoid conflict, especially combat, mostly all the time. It's, it's mm. detrimental generally for an organization to engage in combat or warfare or any of that kind of stuff unless absolutely necessary. Yes. Because now they're expending, you have to understand, they're expending their resources mm-hmm. in a fight. They are no longer gaining. They are now not necessarily losing, but they are spending yep. from their pile. Yep. And, and generally, we want to have more, not less. Yes. Right? Even as PCs with XP, am I right? So... <laughs> so Going forward from the espionage, we go into kind of cloaks and dagger play. And this is, mm. this is, this is <laughs> the that combat look. and conflict side Did of it. Did you hear that look, listeners? So do you, you hear that? It's palpable. <laughs> um, it's very important, like I said, to have organizations explore every venue before combat. Okay. Before they engage in combat. Because I think that's mm-hmm. the natural mm-hmm. flow of things. Yes. Now, if your organization is specifically to, like, Conan, whatever he said, right, to uh, hear the lamentations of your women and drive the, the people from your lands. Okay, great. Oh. If that's the purpose and goal that's of the different. organization, yeah. then it's different. Their, their number one play is probably, actually, 
still rumors and social interaction went on. Mm-hmm. You want to know to fear the horde before they get there. So you're not willing to fight for the horde. You're defeated. Yes. Before they, before you ever step on the battlefield. Yeah. Right. That's probably still their biggest weapon, which means that combat is not their first move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless combat's their end goal. Combat is almost never the first step. Right. And even yeah. if it is their end goal, if that's yeah. absolutely where they are willing to go, they, that should not be the first move. And, and as a DM, that should not be the first move. No, you don't get to talk to my NPCs. No, you don't get to interact with them. It's true. Even if you're, yeah, even if your goal as, as an organization was to have the most physical combat possible, you wouldn't, as a first step, do that because you first step would be to figure out how you can have the most, yeah, like maximize yeah. my combat yeah. chances. Absolutely. Right? So it wouldn't be just fighting every single dude that no. walks into the no. room, right? So this is this is very important. And mm-hmm. this is why I've left conflict because it's it's the most cumbersome, but it's also the last option. Mm-hmm. So when we when we start talking about this, these are activities and missions that are, are going to be pre-combat. So this is the conflict stage. Interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. This is this is where we are rivals or we are friends, or I have noted that there is something that I need that that organization currently has influence or power over. I don't want to fight them necessarily. I want to make it equitable for me to get that. Well, you want to, these are the maneuvers yes. before combat. Before and combat. if you can avoid combat with your maneuvers, all the better. All the better. And still get what you want? Yep. Awesome. Yep. So when we're, when we're looking at this, this is a great way to create those quests, to create those things that our quest givers, mm-hmm. our hook givers, want to push the PCs towards these are the desires and goals, right? Put your organization on the Harmon story wheel, right? Mm-hmm. What, do, what do they want? What are they willing to lose in order to yeah. get this, right? Yeah. Um, and so let's break down these contracts, these missions, whatever these things might be. So I've got a few different kinds of examples. Of missions. Here, of missions okay. types, right? So the first one is straight up influence. So... Influence reflects the ability of an organization to charm, persuade, or lead others mm-hmm. to get them towards what they want, right? Um, a policeman does not persuade you to take a ticket. A policeman gives you the ticket and, you know, law and order and the society, you know, influences you to go pay that ticket because there's further fines or whatnot down the yes. road for not doing that. Yes. Right? Um, influence is also like, hey. That guy that comes in, we always give him an apple. Why? Well, because if we don't, he'll break the window. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't want to replace. It's cheaper to give him an apple. (laughs) Good morning, Mr. Window Breaker. It's very nice to see you. And you give him the apple and he's like, thanks for the apple. And he moves on. Does that work? Uh, Does that work? Probably. That's influence, right? That's persuasion. That's intimidation. I mean, that's That's that's, those skills. That's the age old racket of protection money. That is, that absolutely yeah. is. And so it probably exists in your world too, if you, especially if you have an organization mm-hmm. that does that. So now an influence mission will be most strongly tied to your charisma-based characters, right? Like I said, mm-hmm. this is persuasion. This is intimidation, yep. right? It doesn't mean- Deception. That, it does, Deception. This doesn't mean that a non-charisma-based character can, but if you've got a party that has charisma-based people- Give them missions where mm. they can use that ability to influence the world. Right. Even if they don't, uh, see the previous episode on negotiation. Ba-bow, bow, bow. Next, 
the next mission can be resources. Okay. Resources, obviously we talked about this, this is assets, this is everything that's, that mm-hmm. they brought. I think this is most related to intelligence and wisdom style missions. So hmm. the because the, the resources represent the organization's logistical and fiscal strengths. Okay. So how much stuff they have, how much wealth they have, right? How much power they have as far as commodities, goods, and cash. We're, we're, so we're talking about uh, physical resources, not human physical. resources. Uh, correct. Okay. Right. You, the, okay. This could also be like magical resources. This could be this is any sort of resource. Hmm. Right. Spell scrolls. Right. That's yeah. that's another. One, yeah. right? Anything. I suppose you're right. This is more tangible stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um. This. Jumping back on my train of thought, the the ability to influence whether internal or external, right? Because we can be like, hey, we don't know how to organize our own spell scroll library. Could you come in and alphabetize it for us? I can't even read these spell scrolls. I'm just a, I'm just a merchant. Sure, says the wizard. Of course I can. Yeah. Right? Or the acolyte or whatever. So the intelligence and wisdom-based people can be like, yes, we can organize your resources. Or yes, we can go and figure out what their resources are. Mm-hmm. Right? And... Because we can do this, we can look at using like um, the kind of resourcefulness and like the wise management of assets. That'd be more intelligence, right? Or you could look at like endurance and resilience of wealth. That could be like a wisdom thing. Like, no, it's better if we spend here than there. Okay. Would missions to go out and like gain more resources fall into this? Category as well. This one I think isn't necessarily that because gaining more, I kind of cover it later. Okay. Right. Especially okay. when we're using force to do it. Right. This could just be um, we want to know more about the amount of money that the other guild has. How long can they go in the wine versus jewelry mm-hmm. fight? Mm-hmm. Right. Because if, right. if we can make this town not worth it for them, then I don't have to wear. I can jack up my prices. I get all the money. Right. If they can't survive this bidding war that we've got going mm-hmm. on. Right. So I need to know how much they have. They're going to bluster and they're going to kind of, you know, deceive. But I need my wisdom-based characters to go and insight the hell out of them. Interesting. Right? And okay. I, need, I need that ability to get in there and figure it out. This is like, a, like an information kind of a Very much resource. could be. Interesting. Okay. Very much could be. Okay. Um, so resources, that's another kind of area that you can look at in, in your organization to target specifically for a mission. Uh, connections would be my next one. That's, mm. that's leaning back to that influence a little bit. Yep. Right? So once again, this is going to be more for your charisma, wisdom, and intelligence, I think, based characters, right? For going out, and this could be a downtime activity as well, but going out, building connections, right? Getting into social situations, using the social skills to get in there and create um, that bubble and, and expand it a little bit more. By finding mm-hmm. those individuals mm-hmm. and NPCs that can further the goals of the organization. Right. Right. And so this can be spent over time. Mm. Right. And that's why it kind of aligns with charisma, with wisdom, with intelligence. Oh, I want to intellectually persuade this guy that I can do his books better than he can. Mm. Okay, great. Right. Because you should have, right. Because the money managers may not be right? The most persuasive people, right? Charisma based, but an intelligent person who can do math as well can go like, oh no, this is a better way to do your math. This is a better way to organize your books. This is a better way, whatever. Okay. As far as, as far as kind of going lateral with how your organization can work or how there's parts and chunks of it. Mm -hmm. 
and or you can build your connections between your organization and the good people who can do that for you. Hmm. Okay. Is it, when we're talking about stats here, are we talking about like skill checks? Uh, if, if the PCs want to go about that, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. And that's why I'm kind of pushing some of the skills with it. Okay. Is, is these are things that lean towards, you know, shooting the monk. Yeah. Right. When we're talking about influencing them, when we're talking about integrating with them, when we're talking about two organizations smashing against each other. Mm-hmm. Right. These are the skills that they could use in order to outwit, outmaneuver, or just physically overpower. Right. Okay. Okay. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, because I was thinking, like, are there other ways of making connections? Like, yeah, you could use strength to do it. And, right. You could use intimidation, but intimidation is charisma. But strength to force someone like, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to beat you up unless you give me information, like start feeding me information about that. Well, funny you should ask, because the yeah. next type of mission that I would suggest <laughs> would fall under the militancy okay. of the group, right? And this is obviously going to be related specifically towards dexterity and strength, mm, okay? right? So this is, the militancy pertains to like the organization's ability to be combat ready. Mm-hmm. Right to um, test out what their physical capabilities are, what their responses are, um, what their members' individual strength, like actual strength, or perhaps what their systems of defense are, where you're testing that with precision and like dexterity. This is your heists. This is your like shadow missions. Right. Right. Because if I know that we're going into a fight, but I can delay your sword shipment by a month. Mm-hmm. That means that you can't fight me because you have no good swords right. to fight me. Right. So your combat readiness is affected. So if I go now, you cannot fight me. If I mm-hmm. go in a month, it's a fair fight and I don't want that. Right. Right. So that's me engaging with the resource checking. Oh, they don't have good swords. They won't be receiving them soon. Right. And so you can chain these together or you can combine I them. I was just thinking most missions are probably a big combination of a couple of these. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Please do that. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying to give you ideas to kind of spur mm-hmm. where your organization could be vulnerable and or where you could push towards other organizations. Well, some organizations will probably have like go to sort of modes of operation. Well, the, the Thieves Guild that specializes in theft, mm-hmm. right? Not bartering for information, yep. not for, yep. that specializes in theft is going to have a high um rate of militancy style, whether it's mm-hmm. stealth-based missions mm-hmm. or dexterity-based missions or strength-based missions. Yep. Right? That's going to be what the organization is primarily doing because mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of tangible resources in assets. They get the gold, they fence it. Right. Right? And right. then they have nothing but their skills. That human resource mm-hmm. or insert race here, resource Right. In the game is what becomes their true asset. Right. And they don't technically have that many connections either because they, they want to stay hidden. Yeah, well, they'll, right. they'll have major connections like to the fence or to the, the merchant who smuggles or stuff the, out. Or the spy or, master. Or the spy in, in the master, castle. right? Yeah. But they, they won't have a ton of small connections. They'll have well, very few strong connections. Right. It's not a thing that they typically use to mm-hmm. gain influence which is which is a double-edged sword if they've got very strong connections to certain things it'll take more time to erode that strength if you're targeting it mm-hmm. um but a ton of small connections can be kind of labor intensive and overwhelming right well and the more connections you have the more obvious you are yeah or right. what right. happens if i get rid of their fence right. we're, we're going to do a militancy we're going to go and we're just going to kill them mm-hmm. 
because we have no qualms about that in the party. Okay, great. Yeah. Now that organization is going to suffer. Yeah. How does the organization change? Whatever, blah, 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 right? Um, secrecy. You talked about Spymaster. This is the next mm-hmm. type of mission. Mm-hmm. This is both sneaking in as well as preventing others from seeing yours. Don't get mine. Sorry. <laughs> right? So this is related to dexterity and wisdom. These, this wisdom. particular part. Oh, insight. Insight, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to get information out of you. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I need a high insight. Mm, interesting. Right? And so this is, this is I think, maintaining secrecy um, often involves stealth and finesse, right? That's that mm-hmm. dexterity stuff. But it requires wisdom to make sound decisions, uh, keeping information hidden, knowing how to outwit, outlast, right. outplay. Um, these, are, these are important. Yes. Right? These yep. are important. And so if we're planning a big heist or we're planning a big military action or whatever, and you learn about it, right. your ambush can take out our ability to, our militant action, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, this is could could kind of get convoluted and kind of get busy, but I think all of these are really important. Yes. They're all really important mm-hmm. in kind of moving forward with the idea of what these missions can be and all of the types of things that you can do to bait and hook yep. your PCs or just have your organizations doing this. Because the last one that I want to talk about here is the agenda missions. And agenda missions are charisma intelligence. I apologize to you dex and strength people out there, but there's a lot more to do in a business that has to re- relate to like intellect, charm, right? Um, I, would argue, I would argue it depends on the organization. Sure. But sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily think that you're going to have any mission critical um, decisions made by the miners rather than the mine owner. Right. Right. Uh, not saying that the labor isn't important, mm-hmm. but as far as like making these shifts to the organization, and kind of defining it in its culture base, and right? Whatnot. But the yeah. but depending, I think depending on the culture of the of your organization, it'll it'll affect on what kind of missions it it'll pull off and how they go about doing it, right? Oh yes, right. So if it's primarily, it's just because the leader is just straightforward yep. force all the time, yep, right? Then lots of things for dexterity strength. Sure, right. But we have so much straight combat. Maybe I went a little heavy in deciding other stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Because we can always have fights. Yeah. Fights are easy most of the time. It's true. <laughs> uh, but the last, yeah, that agenda, agenda thing, charisma, intelligence, um, the organization depends on moving forward towards its goals. Yes. So these, these types of things are going to be to inspire internally its own people to move towards that goal. Mm. Inspire others to join so that they can further their own cause. Okay. Right. Creating that. Um, intellectual clarity, creating that strategic thinking, maybe coming up with a better idea, right? The characters can do stuff without the players specifically saying what that idea is. Mm. Right? Interesting. Did, does my does my wizard figure out a better way of logging the, the forest? Yes, he figured out a better pattern. Mm-hmm. Great, awesome. I don't need to know as the player what that pattern is. Yeah. Right? No. Check, success, great, okay. awesome. Okay. Go. Right? We don't necessarily have to be super specific, especially when we're talking about huge areas of influence. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know the minutiae of every square right. inch yeah. of what's going on there. Um, but this is them moving forward in the, in the agenda. Right. And so this is this, all of these types of missions can be missions for the PCs and the party. But one thing to consider is organizational turns. Yes. Organizations should have their own, let's call it initiative. Right. And so I do like this idea. <laughs> and so an organization's turn, I think, should be about a week. 
Mm-hmm. Right? They get to do one action a week. Right. So maybe they can create and blend these six previous different kind of mission types into one combo mission mm-hmm. that we talked about, but they can only issue that. They can only plan these things once a week. Boom. That's it. That's all we In got. In game week? In game week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, like seven months. But it also <laughs> it also means that, hey, look, we need to make sure that we have enough resources to withstand a siege. Mm. Right? The player cannot go inventory every single storehouse in the city in a day. Right. This is going to take you a week to accomplish this particular task. Well, there's a heist that we want you to do. It takes a long time to plan it out. Sure. Get, right, yes. We yeah. got to watch. We got to case the joint. We yeah. got to check this out. We got to <laughs> do the baby maker into yeah. the airplane drop. We, we got to get the right team, put together the right team to yeah. do this. <laughs> Absolutely. That takes some time. You know an acrobat guy? I know an acrobat yeah, guy. I know an acrobat guy. <laughs> um, so I would, I would suggest that these things take about a week. <laughs> Uh, right, because remember, combats are fast and vicious and right. terrible. More than a week, you think it's okay? Um, I think if you want to make it more than a week, you can. Maybe some larger ones. I caution. Mm, okay. I caution. Because if your organization is making too few decisions, the players are going to go off and do a bunch of crazy things, and they're going to level up, and they're going to kind of outpace the organization mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you just can't move or make decisions fast enough nor can it create consequences that'll create hooks quick enough for your PCs to want to be involved in that. Hey, organization, you can give me one mission a month. I'm not sticking around. Right. I'll do your mission, and then I'm a skedaddle, and then maybe I'll be back next month for the next Mm -hmm. month. Mm -hmm. Because there's not enough to keep me going. Right. But one a week, oh, we got to go investigate, we got to plan. Or even like one every time the pieces are done with something, they have something else for them. Yeah, I mean, that that can get real fast, too. But, yeah, well, depends. Because what happens if they're just brute forcing? I guess so. Right? Long rest, brute force. Long rest, brute force. Long rest, brute force. They're like, oh, wow, this organization's going crazy. Right. But there's, there's a reason that John Wick was legendary for doing all those things in one night. Well, I mean, if so, that has consequences on the, on the other ones, and they will respond in kind, though, right? Correct. And that can be too much for a DM to do. No, oh, okay. Okay. Right, because what what happens if the PCs go and they complete like four missions in one game session? Right. That means that your world and all of the organizations all have to take four turns? Or do they take turns as fast as they complete them? Well, how fast right. do they complete them? Right. Well, it, it can get really cumbersome. Right. right? It, it could be like, yeah, like this, your organization just happened to have these like dream team of operators. Mm-hmm. These six guys. Yeah. Right, the six characters. Whereas the other SEAL team fireball. Right, the 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 other organizations just have like their average. Sure. Joes. Sure. So all of a sudden, you got you can complete four missions in a day. Mm-hmm. The other organizations are like, oh crap, we need to do something. So maybe they'll probably gang up. Do you know what the result of that would be? What? Like logically, there'd what? be one organization. Right. There would be no other organization because the best one would win because they could just outperform all the other ones. Maybe unless unless four organizations come together. To be like, no, we need to stop these guys. I, I don't know how it would win, like, logically. I don't know how they would compete. It, I see what you're saying, yeah, we, but it's just like, okay, so you're going to have, even if you said, I've got four organizations with four teams of 10th level PCs. Mm-hmm. I have one organization with a team of 20th level PCs. The 20th level PCs will dominate the four teams of 10th Right. It, it's, it's not fair. Right. So if, if, that, if that level of kind of ramping exponential CR value or right. player grade is, is in there, 
I don't know that one strong can be taken unless mm. it's hundreds. Well, that's the king comes in and says, look, we've got anti, uh, anti-monopoly laws here. We can't let you guys take everything. Okay. Uh, no one can own everything, yeah. anything except for me because I'm yeah. the king. Healthy competition. Healthy competition. In the peasantry <laughs> is what I need. <laughs> so when we're when we're doing all of this, so so awesome. I, so God every ordains king, every king <laughs> appointed by God. Um, consequences for these, I also think, need to roll out. So you, yes. you do the heist yes. and you're successful. Consequence. Good or bad, right? To the organization. To the organization. To both organizations. To all the, all the organizations, yeah. right? Um, we start hearing that all the other organizations are getting robbed except for this one. Mm. Something suspicious is going on here, right? What's going on? Where are these guys coming from? <laughs> so these types of things should have rippling effects. Mm. And I know I've been talking a long time for this, so I'm going to end this with the evolution of an organization. As you start effecting those core values, right? We're going to do a militancy resource-based mission to remove your commodities. Great. What happens when your organization runs out of its assets? How does it respond? Does it become desperate like a caged tiger or corner tiger? Or does it like go, corner oh, tigers. I guess we're done. <laughs> I guess our organization's going to dissolve and feed out into the other ones. Right. right? And then you go, oh. I remember that guy. Mm-hmm. We beat him when we got into the vault. But now he's part of that and he knows us and he knows how we got in. Our heist tricks don't work twice. Right. We need a new heist now. Right. Right. And now we have a reoccurring villain. Or we now have a reoccurring presence. We now have a reoccurring key individual mm-hmm. that we can do something with right. story-wise. Right. Right. So evolving your organizations based on those consequences Super important. Yes. Right. Again, and, for dynamic, for dynamic world. And that's what's moving the world. Well, and it's cool because you have with your consequences, ho- hopefully you're not, you're not just rolling or concentrating on, on the player organizations that they're mm-hmm. part of. You're also rolling stuff to see if the other organizations are successful in their sort of missions yes. as well. And then, and then the power dynamics sort of changes. Yes. Every week. So feel free, feel free to assign stats to your organization. They're like characters, and, really. And maybe use those six mission types mm-hmm. to see where they're strong or where they're weak. Yeah. yeah. Or decide, like, these are the types that they usually do. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So they should be stronger in those, higher stats, mm-hmm. higher DCs, higher whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like it. It's so interesting. It's, it seems like a typical, typically DMs don't do that because it's, you know, is it, is it a lot of extra work? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But I, I feel like it's really worth it because in the, it, from the player's point of view, things really are dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like I did something and the world changed mm-hmm. noticeably. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I didn't do something and the, and the world changed noticeably. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really the, right. the crux of it, right? It's, Succeed, pass, or fail. Right. It's the fact that I, I didn't do something and the world still moves on without me. Correct. That's when the world feels mm-hmm. dynamic and moving. Right? Mm-hmm. It's cool. I like it. I think I talked about that a little bit in that episode where we were making up new ways of structuring campaigns. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But I like it. I like it. Well, oh, you, you mentioned it. I was like, oh, I love this idea. Right away. <laughs> right away. Okay. Because it's his um, No, it's, 
I no, it's it's yeah, because it's my idea. You're stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's interesting that you talk about how the world changes in the consequences, because I feel like as players, uh, that's one of the things we want to do. We want to matter. Yeah, we want to feel like we have an our, impact. Our characters want to have an impact, and they and they and they want to do stuff in the world that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you you want to change the world, mm-hmm. right? As a player, let's talk about that. So how want to change the world? Yeah, how can we do that as a player, right? How can we affect large and ongoing change in the world? I think you've you've really touched on that with organizations, right? And how organizations move and change the the cities and the world around them, mm-hmm. right? As we said, how organizations define cultures, mm-hmm. define values and beliefs. They define locations and the purpose, right? Um, and we talked about it before, right? People move organizations. Organizations move the world. So if you want to move the world and change the world, you need to move an organization. Oh, damn. Well, it's true. A fulcrum. Sure. Right? Yeah. Fulcrum and leverage. Move yep. the world. And yep. that's your organization. That's your organization. Right? I got it right. You, the, the, you're the player, the fulcrum is your organization. Yes. Right? And on the other side, it's the world. Um, so get yourself an organization and wield it like a tool mm-hmm. to either build up or tear down the world mm-hmm. or both. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you want to change the world, use organizations, right? If your DM doesn't have any organizations, you can build your own, right? And sort of quote unquote, f- not force the DM to, to build an organization. For Social you. proof. But you'll do things and, and sort of the DM will kind of naturally respond. This is true. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I just find an NBC and I ask him to do this. Can I, can you do this for me? Can that NBC do, can I hire that NBC to do something? Can I hire that? Yes. Hiring NPCs is cheap. And then all of a sudden you have an organization. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, but if you want to use organizations, step one. Okay. Discuss this with your DM. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I wanted to do, enact this kind of change in the world. Yep. Right? Um, anyway, I want to use an organization to do it. Right? If you want it to go anywhere, the DM needs to be aware. Like, you might be able to do it, quote unquote, without the DM and have him just, just do things and have him respond to you. No. Without, you know, without necessarily um, them working with you. No, I'm going to go with no. But it'll be much smoother yeah. if you work with them. Like without them, it's it's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Because how are the consequences going to happen? How are the how are you going to develop any resources or assets or whatnot or kind of make a headquarters? How are you going to? It it doesn't work because it doesn't integrate into the world without the DM. I mean, because you can the referee. I mean, whatever, you can. Right? I mean, you have to talk to the DM anyways. Whether it's step by step, mm-hmm. or like oh, I want to buy a house. Oh, I'm going to get my guys to work out of that house. Mm-hmm. to my headquarters, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can say, hey, this is what I'm doing, DM. Can you work with me here? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, of course. Right? They want to work with you. Why? Because you're making their world your Cooler. world plural. Yes. Yeah. Right? So step one, discuss it with your DM. Do talk to your DM. Right? It's the best way of going about it. Consult your DM. And- your organization lasts for more than four hours. <laughs> right. Consult your DM um, again. Step two mm-hmm. is, well, we have two, two choices, two, or, two. or a few choices on how to do this. Okay. Step two, you're going to join an existing 
organization mm-hmm. or create your own, mm-hmm. right? Because we need an organization to, to move the world. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're part of at least one because you're part of PC. Yes. Uh, and each path has its own unique challenges. Okay? Yes. Joining an organization usually sets you at the bottom of the hierarchy. Yep. Somewhere down there. So depending, on your, depending on your level, right? Correct. Correct. Right? Uh, and you have to work your way up mm-hmm. to gain more influence, more, right? Mm-hmm. Creating your own organization typically starts with a small organization then with limited ability to affect change. Where you start world. at the top and the bottom simultaneously. Get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I get to that. That's a squish uh, damage. And then from there, you can spread and grow your influence. Right. Right. Of your organization. Yes. Or your influence within an organization. Uh, yes. Right. Depending on which way you went. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and we talk about this a lot. This is your orthogonal progression. Ooh, that's my idea. Like, think straight up orthogonal progression. Less. Um, now, can you cover that quickly in case people haven't watched our. Or- orthogonal is basically 90 degrees, mm-hmm. right? So instead of growing uh, in sort of straight up and down power, power levels, like levels and HP and mm-hmm. DPS and spells, it's all the soft power that goes sideways. So it's your connections. The information mm-hmm. that you know, the favors that are owed to you, um, yeah, how much sort of ability you have to influence mm-hmm. people to do things that you want them to do. Yeah, and most importantly, the third angle, which is the depth to it, right? The integration with yes. the world. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, access to places that other people can't have access to. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So it's like the soft sort of sideways power that's sort of infinite in that way. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, like a king doesn't have very much sort of direct power, mm-hmm. typically. Uh, unless he's like the chosen god king type of thing. But they have a lot of orthogonal power. Cool. Right? It's not just me. You're, you're against my army. Kind of. And all the, all the yeah. nobles that support me. And yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're an org organization, if you join one, Move up the hierarchy. They said orc. Orc. If you're an orc, <laughs> you're an orc, orc join an organization. Orc. Orc. Uh, even, even in the orc horde, right? Gain influence and power in the organization to move up it and gain more power over that tool so you can use it more effectively. Always need more teeth. Right? Because if you join an organization, you, you, it's not fully under your control. So you can't use that tool specifically, necessarily, exactly how you want to. Mm-hmm. Right? So you need to gain expertise with that tool. Mm-hmm. Influence in that tool. Um, think of alliances either within an organization mm-hmm. to grow your influence, or if you have created your own organization with between organizations. Find the ones that have the same goals. Right. Yes. Right. Maybe not directly, but at least generally. Like the, the Venn diagram yes. of, yeah. of com- common goals there. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, even if it's like our common goal is don't let this organization grow anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, We're going to go kill all those bad people over there. Yeah. Death cultists. Do you want to come? Yeah. 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 Okay, good. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going to help all these people uh, keep their babies for longer and healthy. So they don't die so often. Death cult. Are you joining us with this? Yeah. yeah we like babies. More babies, more, more babies. life. More life means more death. Nice. Um, Long live and the life bringer. And then like <laughs> the life bringer and death bringer. That's 
the same cycle. Druids. Um, so, and then, and then think when you are doing these quests and missions, right? Think about more than just material rewards, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, it's the orthogonal stuff that's really important when it comes Chris to organizations, right? Bam. So <laughs> rewards besides money, magical items, yep. stuff like that, right? Yeah. Spells is uh, influence, mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. favors, again, access. Um, and there, and those things typically, when it comes to organizations and power and moving the world, is more useful than a plus three sword, plus four sword, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In fact, we see that in, I think, like uh, Fizbins is one with the draconic boons. Right? Mm-hmm. If you do service for a dragon, mm-hmm. they can just grant you boons. Um, we've seen that in the, like the end game boons in the DMG. There are rules that exist if you don't know how to do this or implement it to actually give you something tangible to work from. I mean, if you think about clerics as a class, that's all they are. <laughs> like, they don't have any of their own power except their physical stuff. All the power is just physical power. Um, all their spells. Snailery. <laughs> <laughs> mm, people pay you for that? Mm, it's great business. Um, where was I? Yeah, yeah, you did that to yourself. Yeah, uh, clerics, right? Their their orthogonal influence is with their god. I do stuff so my god will like me, so my god will give me sp- oh. power. Oh, right. Hard, like, hard, hard disagree. No, that that's the base level. That's just like your your linear. I want to get more powerful because my god gives me more power, and then I'm gonna like do spells and stuff that give I you guess that so. flat space. Yeah. But like, no, I want to integrate myself with the people around me to bring up society, mm. to further spread my, the, my God's divine love or whatever. Right. That's going to create the depth to the character mm-hmm. by creating those points of connection. Right. Creating that organization. Okay. There, there. I'll give that to you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to yeah. just being like, my God said war. So blood for the blood God. <laughs> Right, like right. No, that's why I need to encourage more babies yeah. so that we have more war. <laughs> yeah, it goes in cycle, guys. Cycles. Yeah. yeah, swimming without orthogonal development is just sliding across an ice rink. <laughs> Say that again. Swimming without orthogonal development is just sliding across an ice rink. How so? Well, because there's no depth to the pool. You just oh, on, the, on the surface. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's slip inside. Right. Yeah. We want we want to dive in. Fun. Yes, we want dive to in. Yes, I'm like, how did it turn? How did it turn to ice? Yes, I get it. There's always ice. <laughs> There's always right? ice. Um, so you, so you gain influence, right? Right. Um, grow your influence. Yes. Another thing you can do is shrink and diminish influence. This is an interesting, right? Interesting potential vulnerability in development in the character because inevitably, uh. There's going to be obstacles. Has to be. For it to be interesting. Mary Sue organization. Right. Um, if it's another organization, right, that you need to work to reduce their reach and reduce their ability to affect change. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, you can apply Matt Colville's three rules to organizations. Uh, an organization is always. Don't talk about war, organizations. Just out of war or preparing for the next war. Interesting. Right. It's one of those three. So they're either like accumulating goods. Mm-hmm. They're either recovering their lost goods yeah, war or they're is a preparing strong word, for the conflict. Yeah. Sure. Uh, that's just, those are his rules. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're awesome. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a great way of figuring out, okay, here is my here is my goals and here is what we want to do, but here are the three rules of the world. Yep. Because someone's coming for my stuff. Yes. Someone just came for my stuff, or yep. I'm getting ready for the next time somebody's doing it. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's very simplified version mm-hmm. of how to like action item yeah. your goals. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's good. So yeah, shrink and diminish influence of the other organizations. Yeah. Right. Uh, and this is where you can use those alliances and favors and information that you've gathered in the previous step mm-hmm. when you're growing your influence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, well, the DM doesn't give you these things. Like, you can always come up with your own quests and missions mm-hmm. and present them to your DM. Mm-hmm. Why? Because this is what's important to you. Right. And it's actually really important, right? Like, oh, these guys, I think. Like maybe it's not something that they've the the death cultists, right? Is not something that the merchants guild has thought about yet. They're out of wine. Yeah. Right? Like, no, we should work with them because they're actually want to encourage more life. Mm-hmm. Right? So that more death later. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do that because that's I don't know, more customers for our baby products. Yeah. I can't remember what character that is. That was my siren character, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, the one that saw the the ancient evil, and so she wanted to out procreate. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember that. One. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, funny, <laughs> funny. What's her name? The siren of something. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Keep yeah, going. the siren of the death cult. Um, but right, so you can present it, and if you can, and you can make it work mm-hmm. right with the DM with the DM, um, and that's really probably a great way of being proactive, and you want to be as proactive as possible. You do when you're doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. In general, as a as a player in D anD D, um, and then once you have enough influence and reach, um, there are very few things that you won't be able to do through your through your organization. Sure, right. Um, and I'm going to end this off with a hack, a trick that you can oh, use for those of you that have hung right? out with us. Yeah, life all the way hack. to the end. Um, I think we're past life hacks. You can do. Thanks. You can do both. Join an organization and create your own at the same time. Oh, if you have been right? thinking this entire time that you can only yeah. belong to one organization, yeah, shit. you can probably you can join more than one shit. organization. Shit, shit, get on that. Yeah, yeah, no, right. No, there, there, there needs to be that. You can be <sighs> Skyrim, <laughs> Skyrim the shit out of it. Right. Yeah. You can be yeah. the Archmage of the Wizards Guild. You can be mm-hmm. the. The head, the head dagger of the brotherhood. You can be the king of the thieves guild. Yeah. You can do all of, all of it. Right? You can be a vampire. You can, be, all you can do all of it. Don't ever think that you're limited mm-hmm. unless you purposefully paint yourself into a corner with those goals, right. with those morals and ethics of the organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, I cannot be a light bringer and a vampire. Damn, I guess I got to make a decision. But think about it, though. I'm thinking. Your party, your PC party, it's also an organization. Sure. And just because I can't be both doesn't mean that guy can't be the part of the light bringer and me part of the darkness bringer. Potentially. Right. And then in probably. our own organization, working for that goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's the hack. You don't have to just be in one organization. Yes. So. Yeah. You know what? That's that's such a good point that I should have brought up like two hours ago. Uh, because yeah, no, I'm glad that, you didn't. It's more impact right now. It's way more, <laughs> way more epic now. It's it's super important to not limit yourself. Just mm-hmm. like you can multi-class. You don't have to be one 
class the entire right. game, right? You can dip. Like you want to diminish influence, you can always join that influence, join that organization, organization and diminish it from the inside. Ooh. Right? Like that's like the entire purpose of a double agent. Right. Yeah. Or just have maybe not I'm not multiple, but my other party member is in that organization secretly holding it down mm-hmm. or feeding information or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, because your party is the ultimate organization. Really. Because it's because you are doubling up on your spheres of influence, right? Deities, nations, organizations, the PC parties, right? You are careful there. You are 50% of what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're 50% of the, the types of organi- uh, spheres of influence. And that is a lot. You're the, you're, you're the only, only organization that's like that. Unless you become the god king of a nation whose organizations you run. <laughs> right. And then you're and all four. And you're a piece. Yeah, snap exactly. Snap that. Oh, snap. You're right. done. Well, then then you can affect all the changes you want I to in the world. I won D&D. <laughs> right? But you lost because then you have to stop playing. Because really. then, yeah, you're done. Or next game. Or you're the you're the DM for the next campaign. <laughs> well, this is this is often overlooked, but you can look at the progression and evolution of an organization. Mm-hmm. And then your next campaign can be the aftermath of what happened yep. to that organization. Yeah. Right? Oh, we raised an army and we took out them. Okay. Now we're going to start as peasants in the other land that just got totally wrecked. Mm-hmm. And what happens now? Like what happens to the world after? Yeah. Right? You can just create campaign after campaign after campaign based on your organizational culture shifts in the way that they move the world. Yeah. 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 Right. They, they destroyed all the dragons. But now next campaign is now we are the hidden dragons that didn't. I looked over now, right? Oh. Dragon campaign. Or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What does the lack of dragons do? What does this do? We got to bring magic back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a great hack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just hack. Wait, everyone calls something, things hacks. Something blatant to point out that can yeah. be easily missed. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that. That's yeah. awesome. But that's, that's organizations. That is organizations. Uh, they're super cool. Uh, super cool to have. Super cool to think about. Uh, and they're very, very useful. Mm-hmm. Both as DMs and as players. Mm-hmm. So, please, now that you've gotten to this point, take what you've sort of heard, internalize it, and, and just have a blast. Because mm-hmm. organizations are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. Especially if you want to like really get into it and have like unions and stuff. Ugh. Organizations in your organization. No, it's too much. <laughs> it's way too much. But anyway, no. Uh, this has been. Uh, a very large sandwich, like I said before, mm. and and your your overview at the beginning has um, bequeathed us a bounty, like one yes. of those party subs. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of information here, and once again, I think even though we've been talking for a wonderful amount of time, um, <laughs> so wonderful, so wonderful, the best amount of time. Uh, <laughs> it's it's important to remember that this is the top level. Right, the orthogonal development that we're talking mm-hmm. about that comes from you grounding these, putting them in the world, and giving them the weight, making yeah. them have that magnetic appeal that's going to pull PCs in, that's going to make them explore and interact and, and get deep in the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. That's only going to make your campaigns better and more yes. full and rounded Absolutely. out as you do this. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a PC desiring this and you're going to go out and look for it or you're a DM who has created it, just waiting for a PC to fall in that mousetrap, get on the organizations because <laughs> yep. it'll 
it will make you feel more confident about the world that yeah. you are playing in. It'll change your life. What more can <laughs> we ask for? Right? Yeah. So. So um, jump in those comments. Let Sean know if he was wrong. Because he <laughs> loves that. Um, I do. Also, what is the next organization that you want to try and build? Let us know. Um, because I think whether you're doing it from the player side, and let us know if you're doing it from the player side or mm, the DM side. Yeah, yeah. Um, we wanna we wanna know what the creativity is out there. See what you can build within the worlds of your imagination, and let us have a window into that. That that's my question of the day. What yeah. organization do you want to develop using these ideas? No, I think that's great. I'm gonna leave it at that. I want to overload you guys. It's a big enough ask as it is. I that's think. Okay. So it's awesome. Share the load. Share the load. <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, also watch Lord of the Rings for inspiration because there's a lot of organizations in there. Um, but I think. That's good. Yeah. I think that's good for now. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. This has been Caffeine and Cantrips. I was Byron. And I'm Sean. And we'll catch you next time. Or else. I'm CEO. <laughs> I'm a peasant. <laughs> I was like, peasant level recruitment? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, no, listen. This is after season. Listen, you don't get a peasant railgun without a little bit of recruitment, okay, guys? You gotta do the work to get the juice. It's true. It's it true. doesn't work. I pulled my mic back into line for this. You don't make the railgun without the people. The people. The people. Mm-hmm. Talk about diminishing influence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have the most peasants. We have a dragon. No. Um, we have the most people. You, you don't have a dragon anymore. <laughs> you don't have a dragon anymore. I'll trade 10 peasants for one dragon. <laughs>